classes I've ever taught in my ministry uh, was when I was in, in Ripley. Um, I taught a class there during the Sunday school hour at this church. It was entitled Ask Andy. And that's what the class was. I just, over the course of a, a month ahead of time, just in the bulletin each week, put a blank sheet of paper in there. I said, ask me a question. And I just had people ask questions, and I answered them over the course of about a six-month class. Just asked. I tried to answer every question that was submitted. Now, I love, I love stuff like that. I love, I love doing things like that. I love question and answers. Um, you know, one Wednesday Night Live, you may remember a few months back or years back, I, I had people bring in their cell phones and text in questions, and I answered that. I just, I, just, I just love letting people think about Scripture and about theology and ask questions, and then Trying to, trying to answer the questions that are on people's hearts. So in the course of that study, several really interesting questions were asked. Uh, one of them was, um, what's the official United Methodist position on the second coming? So, oh, a little, a little quiet there. I didn't want to ask that. Uh, so you may want to get you a, a pen out for this one. It's very complicated. Uh, it'd probably be helpful to have a legal pad to make all the notes. The official United Methodist position on the second coming is this. It's going to happen. Yep. It's going to happen one day. He will, he will return and judge the quick of the dead is what we said. Outside of that, hey, you can have, have fun with it. Just try to figure it out. It's not a salvation issue. I'm a pan-millennialist. It'll all pan out in the end. I don't know, you know. Uh, so that, that, that's But one of the other questions that was asked was this. Do you have to come to church if you're a Christian? Do you have to attend worship to be a Christian? Well, the short answer to that question is no. Romans 10 verse 9 says, if you believe in your heart that Christ the Son of God and that God raised him from the dead and you confess with your mouth, then you shall be saved. I mean, that is the ultimate answer to what it means to be a Christian. If you believe in your heart, If you have a heart that has been changed and transformed by God's grace, if you have a heart that has encountered a holy God and you desire to know Christ, you desire to accept Christ into your heart and desire to follow him with all that you are, if you desire to have the grace of Christ shed abroad in your life and be totally and completely transformed by God, to have Christ's grace richly dwelling within you. If you have that belief in your heart and you have confessed that verbally with your mouth to someone, if you believe in your heart, if you have a transformed heart, you confess with your mouth, then you shall be saved. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that whosoever would believe would not perish but have eternal life. Whosoever would believe would have eternal life. Christianity at its own, its, at it, and its very root of roots is a heart-based religion. Our religion is a religion of the heart. If you have had a transformed heart, you desire to live fully with God and know God fully. If you have had God change your life and your heart, that's what it means to be a Christian. That's how it starts. That's what the, where the journey begins. To believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, then you will be a Christian. So the short answer to that is no, you don't. Here's a long answer. If you've had Christ change your heart, if you've experienced God's grace, if you know the love of God, if you have confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you have put your whole trust in him, 
If Jesus Christ is your Lord and there's nothing in you that desires to worship God, if there's nothing in you that desires to gather with God's people, if there's nothing in you that desires to attend to the weekly worship or desires to receive the sacraments or desires to know God or to know God's people or to live in the community of faith, if, there's, if you have experienced grace and there's nothing in you that wants to worship, you're going to hate heaven. I mean, heaven's going to be awful for you. It's going to be torture. Because eternity is a full completeness with God. It is as 1 Corinthians says, we will know fully as we have been fully known. There's nothing in you that desires to worship God with God's people. Then you really need to check your heart to make sure that you've truly accepted Christ and are following him. Because as believers, our souls cry out for worship. We were made for this. Our, our Presbyterian friends have in their Westminster Confession of Faith question, what's the chief end of man? Answer, to know God and to enjoy him forever. That's what we were made for. Worship. So, the next few weeks here at St. Matthew's, we're going to be talking about Worship. We'll be talking about what it means to worship. What is the point of worship? What is it that we do in worship? What is worship about? We're going we're gonna to talk about worship these next few weeks. And by the way, with the church stuff, like the numbers show 11% of the population can't come to church because they work on Sundays, nursing, first responders, individuals. So sometimes we can't be here. But there's something within us that should want to worship our holy God. So what does worship mean to you? When I say worship, what do you think about? Like what, what, what is it that comes to your mind when I say worship? Like there's something, when I say worship, something, some image, some, some visual, some smell, some sound, some experience, something is going to pop into your mind when I say worship. What is that? For some of us, worship is a time. Like we associate worship with, with the one hour. Yeah, well, yeah, hour and five minutes-ish. We associate worship with that time, that 8.30 or that 11 o'clock time. Worship is a time. Worship for others may be a, a, a physical place, a location. We, we think of worship, we think of going to church, whether it be St. Matthew's. Whether it be the church of your childhood, the the little brown church in the veil we sing of. Whether it be a church in your previous community, we associate associate worship with a physical location. So sometimes sometimes it's a time. Sometimes it's a physical place that we go to. For others, it's the rituals and the things that we do within worship. That's what we associate with are are the things that we do. I tell the story, I grew up at Johnson Chapel United Methodist Church, and there were certain acts of worship that we did every Sunday. Just every Sunday we did them. And it's just what I think of when I think of church. I grew up, we said the Apostles' Creed every Sunday. And after we said the Apostles' Creed, we sang the Gloria Patria. I'm not going to sing it now because I can't. The staff can tell you I murder that song every time I try to sing it. But that's what we, we did at Johnson Chapel. Apostles' Creed, Gloria Patria. So, 
in my mind, I, my body to this day is conditioned after saying a creed to want to sing the Glor Patria. So when we were in our last community, uh, pedal, they, the school system there, I don't know that Madison does this, but the school system there had the pedal creed, the pedal panther creed. And um, so we, it was, you know, we will, the kids will be good, not punch each other in the face and all the things you should do or not do in school. So when we parents would go to parents' nights, we would have to stand up with our kids and say the pedal creed. And then I just would start singing the Gloria Patria because it's what I did. And one of my friends that went to church with me there, he grew up the same way. And we'd, he'd, we, sometimes we'd be after, you probably don't know this, Holly, when we text each other in the meetings, we would be texting each other the words of Gloria Patria. Because it's just what we did. We said a creed and we sang the song and that was part of our worship experience. That's not bad. That's okay. For some of us, worship is a time. For others, it's a place. For others, it's an it's a act of ritual that we did. But here's the thing, y'all. Worship is so much more than that. Because each of these things, they are a means to an end. Worship is about an awareness of God's presence. So yes, you know what? You can worship God in the deer stand. Because you can be in the deer stand and you can just feel a complete and total awareness of God's presence. But here's the test if you're worshiping in the deer stand. If the buck walks by, do you pick up your gun and shoot? Because worship is also God, God having, having our undivided attention. Worship is not just a general awareness of God, but worship is God getting our undivided attention. And y'all, in the world we live in, that may be the hardest thing. Is to, in that moment and in that time, give God our undivided attention. So worship happens here in this place. Worship happens in the rituals of worship. But worship happens when you're at home reading your Bible. That's hopefully you're doing with our Rooted in Christ plan. Worship happens. One of my favorite quotes is by Rich Mullins. Rich Mullins says, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is rake your neighbor's yard. Worship happens when we're aware in the fullness of God in those moments of service. Worship happens. Worship happens in intersection, in the freedom that's experienced there. As songs are sung and hands are lifted and God is praised, worship happens that because remember, worship is not just a place. And worship is not just a time. And worship is not just, just an experience. But worship is that complete and total awareness of how God, of who God is. And we all worship differently at times. One, uh, I, I've loved my trips to the Holy Land to get to go and to experience worship in the Holy Land. And to get to experience the Eastern Orthodox Church with, the, with the, what we call the smells and bells. The incense and the candles. That's so different than what I know. But there's something about it that makes me aware of God's presence in a powerful way. Worship is that awareness of God's presence. So sometimes I, I'm, listen, I'm riding another road, listening to a U2 song. 
and I go, oh, oh, that's good. Worship can be when I'm, th- th- no spoilers. There's a line in the new Star Wars movie from the very end of the movie that I'm worked into a sermon one day because it's that good. God was present there. Worship is not just a place. Worship is not just a moment. Worship is that awareness of God's complete presence because it's God that makes it holy. That's what Paul's saying in Romans today. This is your spiritual act of worship to present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. This time, this place, this location is holy because God has sanctified it and God has poured out his spirit upon it and God has made it holy. It is sacred. But the sacredness of God does not end when we leave this place. The sacredness of God, the holiness of God, the spirit of God does not end when we leave this place, but God sanctifies everything and God makes all things holy and you can experience God tomorrow on your way to work. You can experience God gathered around your table with your children. You can experience God in your office with your headphones on. Worship at its completeness is that awareness of God's presence. And there is something sacred and holy and divine about this moment and this place. But it is not the totality or the ending of God's holiness. It is simply the beginning Our lives, our lives are a living sacrifice to God. 11 o'clock on Sunday is not the only holy moment of your life. 11 o'clock on Sunday is the beginning of the holiness of your life. It is God that makes it holy. It is God that sanctifies it. It is God that sacrifices it. And it is God that we experience. I had a friend of mine. There's a store and there's a factory in Noxipater that makes church pews. Did y'all know that? It's a good old boy. Nothing special about him. Good guy. But he took ordinary, ordinary wood from the GP plant in Philadelphia. Probably came off a tree farm in Kemper County, most likely. And he worked with it. He sanded it, stained it, made it into church pews. God makes holy. Our communion elements, we didn't buy them at the Magic Church store. That'd be a cool place if that place existed. We bought them at Kroger. In just a few minutes, a few minutes. The invocation will be read, and the Spirit will be brought upon them, and God will sanctify them and make them holy. This hymnal, just paper. Nothing particularly special about the paper, but it has a divine purpose and a divine appointment that God sanctifies. It is God that makes it holy. It is God that makes you holy. It's God that sanctifies. Worship is that awareness of God's presence. He is present now. He makes this holy. 
But this is not the ending of God's presence. It is simply the beginning. Will you, in this 2018, learn to see the holiness of God, not just in this time, in this place, but throughout all of your life? Because the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is within us. If you've accepted Christ as Lord, you're filled with the Spirit. And God goes with you everywhere. Will we open our eyes to experience worship, not just here, but will we worship in all of our lives? Will we hold sacred to the command of God to gather together as the people of God? As Scripture says, do not forsake the gathering together of the brethren. We're, we need this. Our souls. In this cold and hard world, I've always said there needs to be some place in your life that doesn't kick you in the face. And that needs to be church. We need this. But we don't just need this. We need to take that awareness of God with us from here into all the world. Because then what we find is the very same God that walks with us in worship. The very same God that calls to us in worship. The very same God that will walk with us and call to us in all of our lives. Today, will we see the holiness of God in this moment? And will we be aware of that? Will we worship? And will we see the holiness of God in all of our life? And will we worship? Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your holiness and for your love and for this gift of worship. We thank you, God, for the gift of this church, for the work that went into it, for the effort, the blood, sweat, and tears, and for all that you've given us. We thank you, God, for your goodness. May we worship you today in this place. But may we worship you as well throughout all of our lives. We love you so very much. We ask in the sweet name of our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. As we come now to worship, we come now to this time of Holy Communion. So I invite you to turn with me in your hymnals to page 12. Page 12 for our service of Holy Communion. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin, who seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to meet an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to be our 
It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Before the mountains were brought forth, or you had formed the earth, from everlasting to everlasting, you alone are God. You created light out of darkness and brought forth life on the earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets. And so, with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ, in whom you have revealed yourself, our light and our salvation. You set a star to guide wise men to where Christ was born. And in your signs and witnesses in every age throughout the world, you have led people from far places to his light. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night when, you gave, when you, he gave himself for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took a cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Christ Jesus, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon those of us gathered here on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ. One with each other, and want to minister to all the world until Christ comes in final victory, we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, and your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours now, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. This table does not belong to me, or to St. Matthew's, or to the United Methodist Church, or to any religious group. But this table is Christ's table. And all who wish to come to his table are welcome. Be mindful that all the stations will be gluten-free, so you can uh, go to whichever station is closest to you and, and uh, receive hospitality. Uh, we're going to invite those forward who will be assisting with communion to come and receive, and then we invite you to come as you will from there. <laughs> 